Hey gearheads and welcome to GT Garage Talk, a discussion about all things automotive. I am your host Corey and on this week's episode, I've got a fun one for you. I'm very excited for this one as an unashamed uh, lifelong General Motors fan, Silverado fan, Chevy fan. I've owned a Silverado myself. I'm very excited to welcome on this week the chief engineer of the Chevy Silverado EV, a revolutionary new pickup from the Bowtie brand. Her name is Nicole Kratz. Uh, she and I actually met at the Chicago Auto Show on the show floor. She and I did an extensive deep dive into the Silverado EV, walked around the vehicle there on the show floor. So if you want to know more specifics about the vehicle itself and actually see what it is we're talking about, go on over to youtube.com slash GT Garage Talk and a search for that video. I will also put a link to that video down in the show notes uh, so that you can see Nicole, you can see the vehicle in question. But without further ado, let's bring on Nicole and talk to her a little bit further about the Silverado EV and maybe what has changed since I saw her last. Well, Nicole, I am so grateful to get to catch up with you once again. It's been a little bit since uh, we met on the show floor of the Chicago Auto Show, but how are you doing today? I'm great. It's nice to see you again. We've been pretty busy here at GM, so yes, hopefully you as well. <laughs> yes, you have. Uh, yes, we have a lot of stuff going on. Your counterparts uh, over at Buick just today made some news with their new Wildcat EV concept. So very exciting stuff coming out of the halls over there at Renaissance Tower. Yeah, it's a very exciting time for us at General Motors. We keep, um, you know, showing to the world and to our um, our customers just how serious we are about our EV future. And I'm really excited about the products that we're bringing out here soon. I am too. And it seems the more time goes by, like I, I'm a I'm a gearhead through and through. I, I bleed petrol, as uh, the Brits say. I, I absolutely love the sound of a good V8 engine, but the more EVs I sample, the more I see their merit, the more I see how fun they are, and just the difference that they can bring to the market. Uh, I have not gotten to sample just yet the rival uh, from the Blue Oval brand in the F-150 Lightning, though I do hear one is coming my way soon. But I'm very interested to see how everything I've experienced so far in EV cars, SUVs, translates into pickup trucks. And maybe that's kind of where we can start is uh, why why trucks so far? Like those are the big vehicles that have been making a splash from G GM with the GMC Hummer EV and now the Silverado EV. Why trucks? Um, you know, I think that's an interesting question. I think that um, very uh, succinctly pickup trucks can show a much broader capability of the EV motors the battery packs, the range opportunities become much larger because you've got a larger vehicle to be able to, you know, pack batteries within. So I think it offers kind of a good first step in showing um, the world what EVs capabilities truly are beyond, um, I'll just say, compact uh, vehicles and cars. 
So it seems to be a pretty exciting time to offer it in pickup trucks. I think that it's important, too, that people can see the capabilities aren't being traded off on with EVs. So you can still have all of the payload and capability in a pickup truck by while still having an EV. I think that story is a little bit harder to tell um, in a car than it is in a pickup truck, as an example. I would agree with you there. And, you know, I'm based here in East Texas where the full-size pickup truck is the family vehicle of Texas. Like, I can look out my window right now, see a full-size truck. Anywhere I go, I'm passing them left, right, and center on the road because they're just everywhere down here. Uh, and they are just one of the leading segments. So uh, very interesting to see. Uh, the competition heating up in the electric full-size truck market and very excited uh, to get to see what the general brings uh, to the equation because Ford's kind of been stealing the headlines here lately. They, they're they rolling them out now and uh, they're getting them out to customers, but very excited to see um, the benefits of the Ultium platform. And I, I say that in my brain, Chevy and General Motors has taken the long-term approach and said, we're going to build one up from the ground up. So what can you tell us about Ultium and its benefits versus your counterparts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to was going to say. I mean, we could have decided to take a current architecture and put batteries underneath it. But without doing an all-new ground-up approach, we would have never meet um, the over 400 miles of range that we really think is going to captivate the market. And those that are in for a longer term in terms of um, adoption to be able to really utilize their EV to the most of their abilities are going to be looking for that 400 mile range pack. So um, designing the vehicle from the ground up really optimizes a lot of the architecture that we don't have to carry some of the baggage from the um, internal combustion equivalents. It also allows us the opportunity to be very aggressive in aerodynamics. As you know, we walked around the truck and talked about some of the specific areas where we've purposefully designed a really great looking vehicle while it still has really great aerodynamics throughout the entire design, you know, wheels, um, body sides, everywhere you look. And so I think it's important. We set out on a mission to have over 400 miles of range and to show the world that the same capability of a full-size truck can happen in an EV. And so our um, our strategy has been that. We're sticking to that strategy. Uh, is it a little bit later than, than others? Yes, but um, we've got a lot of positive response from customers. We've got great reservations still ongoing today, more reservations coming in. And we've got lots of um, things in store for our customers as General Motors and the Chevrolet brand, specifically in the Chevrolet Silverado EV, um, it will will delight and, and really bring a really great opportunity to customers. I am... A- Unashamedly a Bowtie fanboy over here, and I I truly have appreciated the approach uh, General Motors and Chevrolet has taken with that 400-mile range target. Uh, the first EV I sampled here as a journalist was a Ford Mustang Mach-E, and I took that on a very unconventional road trip from East Texas to Amarillo, Texas, where there's not great charging infrastructure in between. And my conclusion from that experience was that minimum 300 miles of range needed to be the number before me and my wife could mentally accept and adopt that. So 
y'all just said, you know, forget 300. Let, let's go big. Let's go for 400. And I, I absolutely agree that that is an astounding number and target to have because uh, I've joked, you're going to need to stop to, you know, do some pit stops for yourself before you're ever going to need to stop and charge. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're really proud of the truck that we're designing. I can't tell you how excited we are. Of course, I can't share all the details with you of what we're doing and what we've been busy on lately. But of course, we're developing this truck daily. And it's been um, a great opportunity to see all of the little uh, nooks and crannies that we can design aerodynamic performance into um, customer creature comforts like storage, where you've got great opportunities that you haven't before. And then, of course, just overall the design aesthetics of the truck to be able to start with an all new slate and really give it its own persona as opposed to you know, its ice counterpart is an amazing opportunity for us as well. And, you know, a highlight of my career, of course. So um, I think it's going to be a great offering for the customers. We've got the interest. We are daily um, on track to to get this truck out into production early next year and, and um, super excited about it. So one of the questions that I have come across from fans, uh, especially order holders, is... Uh, since you and I met on the Chicago showroom floor, uh, what what tweaks, what changes? Uh, I know y'all are kind of working the minutia under under the hood, kind of so to speak, right? Um, you know, I can't say anything specific to you, but what I'll tell you is it, it's really important for us to hear feedback from our customers, fear feedback from media, and and just hear. Um, what people are concerned about. The good news is that we do a lot of research ahead of time. And so the things that we felt were important and that we heard from our customers in terms of research were aligned to the feedback that we got in the reveal and in the um, interviews and media that we've done since then. On the other side of things, though, I think there are things that we can do to surprise and delight our customers. And we've definitely got a strategy coming that I think is going to be mindful of, of that position of really wanting to delight and surprise people and, and let them sit back and go, wow, we wouldn't have really expected that from fill in the blank, a, a Chevrolet Silverado or, or from General Motors. You know, starting with our work truck first launch, you know, that was something that at the reveal, people were like, wow, we, we didn't expect you to do that. That's not, I'll just say a normal, usual thing for General Motors to do. I think the timeline and the storyline that we're building in terms of the Silverado is really going to surprise and delight our customers. And I'm super excited to start to unravel all of what's coming in the future of, of this truck. So when will we start to see more of what y'all have been working on? I, I, I know we're still waiting on orders and all that stuff. Uh, just stay tuned or... Yeah, I mean, I can't ever comment specifically on dates. I mean, we've said that the spring of next year is when our um, work truck is going to be out into customers. And so you can imagine that we'll have some things ahead of that available. I was super excited to see our Silverado EV and the commercials that went through for the Super Bowl and other things and really, you know, honing back to some iconic, you know, memories for, for America and for uh, Chevrolet. You'll start to see some things on the road in early next year time frame, they're going to look really great. I think you guys will have some opportunity as well for some media drives at that time as well, which I know you're very, very excited for. Very excited for. You and I really did 
cover everything on the show floor of the uh, Chicago Auto Show. So anyone wanting to know big, broad strokes details, I will put a link down in the show notes to that video where Nicole and I actually went nose to tail on the truck and talked big things. But since you and I have a last spoken, uh, I have joined a, a Silverado EV forum. And I've got a few cu uh, customer questions that while I've got you on, I figured I I'd pose them to you. If I've got to get the standard PR, I can't tell you yet. I understand, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll run through them really quickly. You've already started taking orders. You mentioned earlier daily, y'all are seeing more and more orders come in. When will older order holders be able to start following through with those do you know dates on those just yet or are we looking closer towards fall and moving into spring yeah i um i actually don't know the answer to that question i would say that it'll be coming it's i would say a quarter or two before the the truck itself is ready to come out but that's something that either Kyle through our media relations or someone else will have to answer for you. I'm not being um, avoiding avoidance of your question. I that's literally just... don't don't. That's one thing I don't have to work on in the whole launch of this Silverado EV. So and and I knew that, but that question came up so much, I, I had to put it out there so they knew I asked. So, yeah, uh, no, that's great. Good try. I, I will pivot now towards stuff that does actually pertain to the engineering aspect of it and uh, actually coming through with the final product. And one of the biggest was how does towing affect the range? I know a lot of people use their full-size pickups uh, with the intent to tow a boat. Uh, I know you mentioned 400 miles was your target of range. Mm -hmm. um, ha have y'all settled on, you know, gearing or whatever the case may be so that you could speak a little more towards how towing would affect that overall range? We haven't finished our testing yet on the Silverado EV, but in general, what we've said is that the the fall off in the range is very similar to its internal combustion counterpart. So you won't expect to see any worse performance if everything else is true. You know, you're taking the same trailer to the same location up the same grade. The, the reduction in range is very similar to its internal combustion uh, counterpart. There's no... I will just say worse reason, you know, for not feeling like you can't confidently tow on the road. You can confidently tow on the road with an EV and do your trip that you're used to today in your internal combustion truck in the in the Silverado EV. So it's got tow haul mode. It's got uh, the trailer hitch and all the things that go with it. We've got some trailering features as well. That's part of the Silverado EV infotainment system. You can save your trailer and do other things like that. So everything folks are used to, the newer technology that's coming through with the trailer and things like that and predicting what your range or um, I'll just say your usage, you know, it, in the ice world, the MPG right. effect of the trailer in the um, in the EV world, the the range ability of let's just say that saved trailer, all of those things are part of the Silverado EV um, lineup. Yeah, it's interesting. When you apply the electric vehicle aspect of it, you start asking questions that you never would have asked in an ICE counterpart because nobody talks about range of full-size trucks. 
that are gasoline powered, you're talking about fuel economy, but nobody really talks about the efficiency of EVs either. So it, it's weird. We're still learning the questions to ask as consumers and uh, just figuring all that out. But a very apt uh, description that it, it will tow as expectantly as its ice counterpart. So we've talked about the 400 mile expected range target. Is that on all trims, including the work truck? Or is that just on the extended range long battery that you had to opt up to? What are we looking at? So the good news is we don't have an extended range long battery uh, similar to, to the, the folks that you're um, referencing. So <laughs> what we call, we all our Altium battery pack has various modules. And mm -hmm. so the launch... Um, truck for the RST and the work truck is a 24 module battery. That's our over 400 range pack. Now, when you um, load up the truck or you have different aerodynamic properties of trucks, those range numbers can differ. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on the model that you've chosen and what your optional content is. What we've said is for the RST and work truck the first year, those two trucks are going to get over 400 miles of range. And we're committed to that very much. We're doing, you know, sort of daily work, making sure that we can meet that commitment to our customers. As an example, at the reveal, Mary talked very briefly about a trail boss in the future, right? So as that lineup starts to come through, just like with the internal combustion equivalents, you know, your MPG, the label that you have on your vehicle changes based on, you know, the optional content that you put on that truck, as well as the type of truck you've chosen. If you chose a trail bus versus an RST versus a work truck, or even, you know, an LT or something, some other model that's offered in the internal combustion days, you know, you'll see different mile per gallon, different fuel economy ratings. You'll see that as well in our EV space. It's just, you know, basic engineering fundamentals. There's also opportunities for um, lower range packs. Mm -hmm. So if you also remember, we talked about a $39,900 base price vehicle, that'll have a lower mileage pack. We haven't revealed yet what that will have, but it is a different battery pack. So for us, it's more about modules, okay. how many modules we put in that Ultium structure. That structure, remember, is part of the vehicle. It's integrated into the structure of the truck. That never goes away no matter which battery we put inside of it, which is what's really awesome about that. I think I referenced it before as that Lego-like, that golden brick design. What I fill into the brick is what gives you different ranges. But the, the brick outline itself, the exoskeleton, if you will, of that brick is part of the structure of the truck. And so to make it build and for complexity perspective from a manufacturing capability we don't have to build the truck differently between, I'll just say, a normal pack and an extended range pack in the design that you're sort of referencing with some of the competitors. So it makes our manufacturing footprint and capability in terms of volume growth highly capable. Goes back to that long-term approach that uh, right. General Motors We're in took. for the long term. Yes, yes. I personally am holding out on that Trail Boss. That's the one that intrigues me the most out of all of them. And I uh, cannot get enough information about those just yet. So. <laughs> yes, there is not much information yet on that. Yep. So I, I believe we touched on this on uh, the Chicago show floor, but I'll ask it anyway because it came up again. The RST is the top model being offered. Does it have ventilated seats? Yes, I believe so. Okay. You all showed off the RST with the full glass roof. Will there be a non-glass roof version? Will there be a standard sunroof option? 
What I will tell you is that the you've seen the architecture's capability because you've seen the work truck that has a steel roof mm -hmm. and you've seen the RST that has our fixed glass roof. So right now, those are the two offerings you can imagine with our manufacturing prowess that we're pretty capable of mixing and matching different options as we go into the future. And as the volume starts to increase and people are asking for different configurations of trucks, we can certainly have the um, versatility to change configurations like a sunroof into a steel roof or um, perhaps even a mid-gate truck into a steel back, which is what you're seeing in the work truck versus the RST with our multi-flex mid-gate. So those possibilities are there, but those are not what, what is currently in the offerings. Okay, okay. This last one may or may not be in your realm of expertise because, again, you engineer the vehicle and what the general decides to do after you have the final product to deliver is up to them. Do you know if customers of Silverado EV will be given a credit or given some sort of uh, home installation for an EV charger uh, when they get it? from a Chevrolet dealer? I, I actually don't know the answer to that question, unfortunately. So I'm not on the on the charger side of the business. I've actually recently been talking more about what charger I should get installed in my um, garage. And I know that General Motors has some chargers that they're designing okay. for our customers. I just don't know how that integrates or intertwines with the um, vehicle purchase experience. Yes, that's kind of that wild west. Everybody's uh, starting to do a little bit something different. I'm glad General Motors is working on something. Uh, your counterparts uh, across the state are doing a little something their own. Uh, everyone knows Tesla and their Powerwall and all all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So as adoption ramps up, people are going to be asking more and more very specific tailored questions around the charging aspect. I know here. Yeah, I mean, there's. The, I, don't get me wrong. There's an entire organization at GM mm -hmm. that is working on home wall chargers. We all know what the competition is doing out there. Um, you know, vehicle back into your home, right. vehicle back into the grid, being able to smart charge and, you know, charge. So the vehicle itself, the Silverado EV, has um, has its own capability of setting the charge times and charging in the off-peak hours to reduce your, you know, energy usage and, you know, quite frankly, the grid's needs at that time. There's lots of those kinds of, I'll just say, hooks built into the technology inside the Silverado EV. And then, of course, we're going to have a pairing with a home unit that has, you know, vast opportunities of capabilities. I just don't personally have the understanding of what that um, unit looks like, what that design is, where they're heading with those. But I'm certainly getting into it more now that I'll need to, you know, start charging my own devices in my house and, and providing feedback on what we do with those units as well. So there's a definitely a whole development group working through that as well. Okay. that That is where I thought your answer would lie because, again, you know your aspect of it. You're contained within the uh, manufacturing and engineering of that Silverado. So we'll pivot now a little bit and talk about how you got there as uh, 
I, I know we spoke a little before we started recording for our YouTube video, but uh, your entry into the door at General Motors and how you became the chief engineer of a very high-profile vehicle uh, at a very well-esteemed organization as uh, General Motors. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I have always been someone who is constantly trying to look at different ways to solve problems, even as a young, you know, child and looking at something and wondering how it works. And, and so most of my career was actually spent learning different areas of our vehicle, our business, um, the vehicle integration of multiple systems. I just constantly had this yearning to learn more and to um, understand our systems more. And so as a chief engineer, it's funny because we, we've we had a lot of technical background as chiefs in various areas, and you need to know enough about every portion of those systems to be able to ask the right questions, you know, drive the team to work differently, but at the same time, have a sense of what the customers do is, is a really important part of my job. What will the customers desire? So a lot of customer research. I'm a customer myself. I drive a full-size pickup truck. I know what I like and don't like. How do I bring that into the designs? So it's an extremely unique position that there's only a few of when you think relative to the rest of the large organization at GM. And it's truly, I believe, of course, one of the best jobs that we have here because you get to touch all aspects of the vehicle, the design, the aesthetics of the design, as well as the engineering of the design. And if, you know, as someone who is constantly curious about how did that work? How does that go? How did those go together? How did that, you know, was that really what I intended it to be? What would a customer do today out on our build floor? We were actually talking about this looked really good in math. Is this what we expected the customer to go through in terms of steps of working this, I'll just say widget for, for the time frame? And it's awesome that we can actually do that and walk through that and put ourselves in that mindset. So my background has always been just a bunch of curiosity about, you know, what things are, are really doing inside of the vehicle world. So it sounds like you've bounced around from many different teams there within General Motors and have not just stuck to a, a niche, so to speak, in General Motors, correct? Yeah, you know, we actually have a very different team at GM than what I'll just call the normal type of working team. And I'm actually really proud of the culture that we're building here, not just about building a vehicle and having this awesome task of an all new ground up, no holds barred, just do what you think is right. But from a culture perspective, we're building a team of people who can make their own decisions without a lot of leaders in the room. We are thinning out meetings and oversight and not to the point where there's no oversight, you know, safety is number one and the top priority of ours. We still expect our designs to have certain capabilities for durability and quality and things like that. But we don't need to run our business by committee. Right. You know, we need the people that are the decision makers to be in the room. And a lot of decisions are not even needed from me. You know, there are people that work for me that are very capable and have the technical know-how to make decisions. So we're changing the culture at GM. We're doing much more of a startup type approach. We've got our own organization now that really is dedicated to 
really making people feel empowered and change the way that we do business. If if it's not efficient, it's not making us better, then perhaps we don't do it. You know, perhaps that's not a process that actually helps us. Right. Let's focus on the processes or the designs that actually help us make a really great vehicle and not just go check a bunch of boxes that really at the end of the day didn't help us make a great design. So it's been one of the highlights of this role itself has been being able to really drive a cultural change at GM, not just a, you know, a new vehicle and a great design, but also just change the way that people hopefully see GM being a, a nimble company really out there trying to be advanced and, and technologically focused, as well as you know people who can listen to their customers and really be nimble in the approach to how we bring vehicles to market. It's awesome to hear the inner workings of, of that change and how that's going. I'm sure the events of the last two years have played into that a little bit, maybe sped things up faster than they would have normally happened. Uh, I know in my corporate job before I left it, we were on work from home and uh, having to figure out, you know, the quote unquote new normals. So that flexibility that you speak of, I'm sure uh, definitely was tried and tested over these past two years. Actually, COVID is actually really interesting for us because we started our design process during the start of COVID. Okay. So we have it in any company that's designing vehicles anyway, we have a large amount of collaborative time built with our design studio partners, built with our, what we call our architecture teams to kind of just lay out what should the suspension, you know, what should the rear cradle look like? What kind of a, you know, rear suspension should we have? And that was right at when COVID hit and we had to learn how to work differently over teams. And we're used to sitting in this really large room, again, more as the startup mentality. We had this big table in the middle of the room. It was actually an old drafting table. And we would yell over to somebody and they could come and we would have a five or 10 minute debate about something or, you know, discussion on something. And then we'd all go to our corners and start working again. And 20 minutes later, an hour later, someone else would say, hey, you know, I got a question on this. It made it very easy to work. Well, then we went to work from home. And what I'll say is we came up with a really awesome answer solution to being able to still pull those people in and not have to have meeting structures. You know, we should all meet together at one o'clock, not going back to that. Don't fall back to that, even though I will say it was very easy to fall back on that if we wanted to. But the other thing that it provided was, I think, de-stressing the organization. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's face it, the entire, all of the vehicle manufacturers that are working on EVs are working in a high stress, high paced, fast to market environment. And mental health is so important. And some people weren't okay being at home. You know, they wanted that people time with folks. Some people were home with their children and having to, you know, sort of deal with homeschooling kind of basically. And kids didn't have daycare and things like that. And I remember this one um, time we were on this kind of conversation at what we called our virtual table. And one of the gals that was on the phone had her two-year-old walk up to her and she's like, mom, I went on the potty. And there's, <laughs> you know, 10 of us on the phone. And I love this story because any other time, I think people would have been like, oh my God, 
you know, I can't believe that just happened. I'm so sorry, you know, and you're on conference calls. And I was the first one to say to her, oh my gosh, congratulations, everybody, let's clap. And the whole, you know, group clapped and the little girl heard us. She was all excited. And we said, you know what, Angela, you know, take some time, go say good job to her because she was ready to say, you know, mommy's on the phone right now. And we were like, no, that's not what's important right now. And that insight into people's personal lives actually connected us more than any other, I think, team that's working. We know each other's kids, personal lives, family, friends, dogs, cats, you know, people appear on screen, dogs appear on screen, but it makes it something where you understand that if they say, I've got a something I've got to take care of, I'll be back in 10 minutes, that that's okay. So I do even though COVID was difficult for some of that interactive collaboration time to be worked through, it was also awesome for us to learn each other, a brand new team in a very different way. And it's really inspired quite a bit of collaboration. And I'll tell you that we've got almost no one that's ever um, asked or wanted to leave the team because they just have this very family-like feeling about working together. So it's been really amazing for us. Well, that actually sounds very amazing because even, <laughs> like I said, when I was in my corporate life and uh, our my year in work from home, uh, it, it was a bumpy road, but my goodness, uh, you, you make it sound so appealing that uh, next GM job posting I see, I might uh, just jump right on there. We might take you up on that too. Yeah. So <laughs> We need great people. Uh, You mentioned starting the engineering process of this really during that whole COVID time. So when when were you put in charge of Silverado EV? What is the time frame of that? How did that kind of play out? Very late 2019, I came over to the team. I had been an electrical director, so I had um, some good understanding, not of propulsion batteries, but of our electrical spaces in general. Okay. I had previously been a chief engineer on a couple of our products for Chevrolet, the Malibu and the Impala. And um, I was asked to come over based on kind of having that mix of skill sets to come and and run the pickup program. And it, it's interesting because as a female, I think some folks initially weren't too sure about whether I could really understand a pickup truck. And, and, you know, could I even really, do I, do I use, I got a lot of questions of like, have you ever towed, you know, with a pickup truck? And I would say like, well, yeah, actually I taught my husband how to back up a trailer. So, you know, let's go, right. Let's try it out here. And, and I don't think he'll have any issues with me saying that he, he actually probably um, backs up the trailer better than me because he does it all the time now. But when we first got married, I was the one doing all the backing up for our boats and stuff. So, you know, I think it's important that people remember that a pickup truck is used for towing heavy payloads. We had, you know, eight or 900 pounds of cargo in our truck this weekend. And, you know, where do you put it? How does it work, et cetera. And then also though, it still is for the majority of people, a really great daily ride that they're not necessarily using the capability of the truck daily, but they want to have it there. And, And mine's a great example. I tow a heavy trailer a couple times a year, Not frequently, but when I need to, I want it to be able to do it. And so it was interesting to watch everyone and and really the openness to, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, as long as you drive a pickup truck or you know customers that are a pickup truck uh, drivers, 
we'll we'll take you on, right? We'll take you on this team. And that wasn't the leadership. That's more of the, you know, people working on the trucks every day that really were like, okay, let's see what she's got. And, and to be honest, a day hasn't gone by that, that I've, that I haven't gotten any of those questions. No one even looks at being a female chief engineer. They look at me as a very technically competent engineer who is on them for, right, something to bring to the table something new. And it's, it's super exciting to not have to be a female chief engineer at General Motors launching a full-size truck, but rather to just be a really awesome chief engineer. You touched on, you've got a couple previous vehicles under your belt as chief engineer, Malibu Impala, may they rest in peace, and different backgrounds throughout GM. Uh, Last question about you before we get into our random misfire segment, but uh, (laughs) what did you go to school for? What's your degree in, and what was your kind of first job in the door? at General Motors. Yeah, I um so I went to school to, at Oakland University. It's a local college here in um, Michigan. And I was a mechanical engineer. I remember my first freshman year I four-pointed an EE class and the instructor was like, "You should be an electrical engineer." And I was like, "No, I'm good. My passion was fluid and thermal dynamics actually." So I was into Carnot cycles, through laminar turbulent flow, through all the multivariable I'll just say equations and differential equations and calculus that goes along with that, um, heavily nerding out into laminar and turbulent flow. So my first job at General Motors was actually in our powertrain cooling division. They asked me like what I was interested in. I'm like radiators, condensers, you know, heat exchangers. This is what I went to school for. This is what I want to do. So they literally put me into a job that was in our powertrain cooling group where I learned about trailering ironically, you know, sizing a radiator and testing it out at our Arizona proving grounds in really hot conditions and making sure that the transmissions didn't overheat, the engines didn't overheat. Very, very start of software controls to make sure that the engine and transmission didn't overheat and could go into the, you know, early versions of the limp home mode and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I was in wind tunnels, it was like just amazing. I loved that first assignment. It kind of bubbled into other opportunities with air conditioning systems. Again, still heat exchangers, but now into the interior. Now you're looking at people's comfort, getting them heated up in a certain time, cooled in a certain time. And it just, you can see that it just starts to spool from there. So I start to get more into customer desired kind of requirements and then went into like some interior design and then went into some exterior design for aerodynamics. Again, still some fluid and thermal in my background, starting to branch out. So I had an awesome, and I still, I still say I have an awesome, you know, experience going forward, but my experience and what I was able to do personally with my own career was amazing here at GM. There, the great thing about General Motors is there is opportunity for everyone in anything you can think of. I remember going and talking cold to a director in a completely different area that I wanted to go work on engine calibration. And I had no experience in it. I had no software calibration development in my background, but I knew some of the things that were you know, happening with our HVAC and powertrain cooling team. And, and they were like, okay, come on over, try it. So it's just a great company because you know, if you're willing to learn and you show your technical know-how, you can really just, it you know, scratch any itch that you've got here. 
And I've loved every minute of my adventure of going from that powertrain cooling, you know, development engineer to a chief engineer. It's been, it's been just a great ride so far. It sounds like it. And there you go, gearheads. If you are interested in anything in the automotive realm, it sounds like General Motors is the company uh, to seek out and to go work for because uh, as Nicole laid out earlier, just the culture there is shifting and changing to uh, one to be envied uh, in the automotive space. So I thank you for your work, uh, not only on Silverado EV, but uh, the Malibu, the Impala, and every other piece and vehicle component that you have uh, <laughs> contributed to. I, I drive a 2013 Chevy Cruze daily, so I don't know if there are any parts in there that you had anything to do with, but uh, still going strong after all these years, almost a decade awesome. with that car and uh, keeping her going. So to close out uh, this interview, I I just want to have a little bit of fun getting to know you a little bit more sure. uh, in a segment we call Random Misfire. Uh, it's got eight questions because all good engines should have eight cylinders. I know you drive <laughs> a, a V8 pickup as well. So um, I've got a longer list than eight, and the challenge will really be on me to find the eight best ones uh, to ask you. But the first one is so easy for me because I ask everyone uh, that comes on the show. Do you name your personal vehicles? No. You do not. Okay. Mm-mm. You can't get it, that attached to them? <laughs> I I name my boats, but okay. I don't name my, my cars. <laughs> okay. I could see that being, uh, given your line of work, you probably see uh, uh, more turnover in the vehicle department than uh, the average consumer. So I, I could see how that would be the case. <laughs> This is very apt for you. may put you in a hot spot, but uh, internal combustion or EV, what's your preference? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No, for for real EV, like just the total capability. And I'm in an ice today, so I can honestly say I've tried both and I'm all EV. All right. All right. Favorite car movie? I'm not going to say the first one that came to my mind. So I'm going to go with Transformers with Bumblebee in it from the Yellow Camaro. Yes. Yes. The first one is not appropriate for syndication. Well, we'll just leave it at that. But yes, Uh, Transformers. (laughs) I'm surprised you were the first one to actually bring up Transformers. And I know big partnership with General Motors as uh, they rolled out. Uh, there was a Solstice in there. There was the Camaro. Mm-hmm. The Kodiak was in there. There's so many good GM vehicles in those movies. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Camaro uh, convertible, my my go-to favorite of all time vehicle. And it just so happens that Al Oppenheiser, the legend of Camaro, is my peer chief engineer of the Hummer EV. So, like, my whole world comes together when Al and I are in the same room. I need to get Al on because I had a 2012 45th anniversary SS Mm -hmm. and loved it. Uh, I've already mentioned I I grew up loving the Camaro. I would not love cars. I would not be here talking to you today if it weren't for the Camaro. So uh, that's awesome. I owe a lot to that car. Yes. Let's see here. On road or off road? Off-road two-track. 
Okay. Not to be confused with off-road Moab, get myself stuck, and then be dead later on the side of the road because I don't have any water. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm an up north girl with trees all around, two-track it, but I can still get off and back home. Right. That reveals a lot of my personality. I've often joked with people, like, I want to go to Moab. That is on the wish list (laughs) to go and experience in someone else's vehicle. (laughs) Yeah. I've watched too many rock crawling videos or metal scraping and just them rolling and denting. I just, no, no. I, I'm East Texas guy, like mud and dirt. That That's my, when I think of off-roading, that, that's where I go. Yep. This is going to be a very interesting one. Speaking to a vehicle engineer who is responsible for making new cars, but do you prefer new cars or classic cars? You know, I, this is a good one. I love the look and feel one of the guys on my team actually brought in one of his classic cars the other day and you got in it in the vinyl seats and the big spoked wheel and you could smell Mm -hmm. that old style the old and it was awesome for like you know five or ten minutes for me but i am super safety conscious i'm a mom of three girls so new car to me like to me it's all about there's so many people on the road not paying attention that I am more about the driving experience of having safety in my mind than I am about the coolness of being in a cool classic ride driving. And and I've had them. I don't have any now. I don't own any now. But I've owned classic cars in the past, and it was really fun to drive in you know certain situations. But I think once I started having kids, I really went to the safety and responsibility part of me rather than having some cool ride to be seen in. So now I focus on cool looking new right? instead of classic. And you're in a position where you can actually affect what's out there. So yeah. that's right. Yes. Favorite driving song, genre, playlist, where, where you, decade even? Uh, Life as a Highway has to be one of the top songs that you drive with. Right. right. And most of my stuff will be referencing Disney at some point because I have kids that basically always listen to Disney stuff in the car. But Life as a Highway and then anything Zach Brown Band. I mean, you can basically drive to anything Zach Brown Band. Absolutely. Absolutely. Favorite road trip snack? What going on a long haul? What, what you buying? Combos, but not the pepperoni flavor. It has to be the cheddar pretzel, yes. not the cheddar cracker. Yes, I would say pizza is probably one of the lower ones for me. But yeah, yes. I don't like pizza one. The, cheddar, the, and it has to be pretzel. Cheddar pretzel. Yes, yes, I agree wholeheartedly with you on that one. Let's see, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh my goodness, I've only got one left and so many to choose from. Do you hand wash your vehicles or take them to a drive-thru? I hand wash unless desperate. I am a huge hand washer. It's relaxing. It's like yoga outside on a great day. I just washed my truck yesterday. And then to my dismay, the pollen in the air literally had this yellow surface on my red GMC AT4. And I was so sad this morning driving in. Huge hand washer. But I'll go to a, a car wash when I need to for desperation of getting all that pollen off my truck. And... I can always have my kids hand wash too, because there is nothing wrong with child labor in terms of washing your vehicles. Hey, 
Uh, my mom had a red 1998 Pontiac Grand Prix GTP wide track uh, when we were growing up, and uh, there was not a sunshiny day in the summer that that car was not being hand washed. But I 100%. will say a quick trick that will save you from going through the drive through get you a California car duster. Uh, those things work oh. amazing. I live in East Texas. We're actually, hallelujah, praise the Lord, past our pollen season. But it gets so bad here where, like, as you're washing it, it's turning yellow and green yes. on you. It, it's it's quite bad. So, uh, yes, a California car duster. Do that every morning, and you've got a shiny vehicle for the day. And then uh, as it gets a little bit worse you know, uh, then hand wash it again. Yep. But uh, for any of you listening, gtgaragetalk.com slash gear, you can help the channel out by buying one through the link on that page. Not sponsored or anything, but uh, our Amazon <laughs> affiliate link. I, I swear by California Car Duster. They even have a little interior one for all the dust and stuff on the inside. Is it long enough? You know, I'm 5'3". Yeah. So when I... When I wash my truck, it needs a stepladder. Let's just be honest with everybody on the radio because they can't see me. Yeah. You know, if the car duster has to have the extension too, just like the ice scraper does, yeah. or else I'm toast because I won't reach it otherwise. So I liken them basically to a handheld dust mop. Uh, they've got about oh. uh, maybe 18 inch or longer actual mop head to it on an even longer handle you would be able to get to most parts of your AT4 okay. no problem with that thing. So I'll look it up then. Yeah, definitely, definitely go check that out. They, game changer when it comes to dealing with pollen, for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, Nicole, I know our time is running out. I want to thank you so much for making time for us again and talking all things Silverado EV, talking about your history with the company. I'm very excited uh, to see your fingerprints on more and more products coming out of the halls of Renaissance Tower. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that if you liked what I talked about today, shameless plug, throw your name in for a reservation. I am positive that you will be very glad that you did. We've got lots of surprises in store for everyone. And I'm really excited about launching this truck. So thanks, Corey, for having me on. Absolutely. I can't wait to get behind the wheel of one, but uh, that will come at a later date. But yes, thank you so All much. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, I, oh, I am so grateful to get to talk to Nicole in a more relaxed environment. I'm sitting in my home. Uh, she was very comfortable herself. We weren't on a showroom floor with all the spotlights on us and all the eyeballs. Uh, she alluded to when I interviewed her there at the Chicago Auto Show, kind of being out of her element because like me and the rest of the media are all like swarming on her to know every tidbit of information they could get about this vehicle because it was one of the first times it was out and open for the public to see. So there were a lot of questions about it. And so just very nice to get to chat with her and to, you know, branch off and talk a little bit more about her career, how working at General Motors has been throughout that career, some different steps she has taken along the way. Just so grateful for her and her time with us here today. I'm very grateful for it. You can go uh, check out the Silverado EV for yourself at Chevrolet.com. You know you can find out more about us at GTGarageTalk.com. 
Until next time, gearheads. Bye.